Welcome to episode 15 of Behind the Blade Podcast. This has been an insane week with many long hours and all-nighters. So Jim and I are going to breeze through the segments. Uh, Stand by, but we will definitely be addressing the Q&A. It's a fun episode. It's a little bit from the hip. I think you guys will enjoy it. Stay tuned. And we are back. We are back with some news segments because we're totally prepared today. Let me tell you guys, I had one hell of a really busy day. I The puppy was up till like 4 a.m., so I came in just dragging, and immediately, immediately everything just kind of goes to hell. And, yeah, and I, and, when you and, came in, guys, when Jim came in today, I, look, Jen and I are exhausted too. We've been putting the boots to it all week, but when you showed up, you were knackered. I mean, you <laughs> look like a, like a reanimated zombie. I didn't know whether to hand you a cup of coffee or chop your head off. I wasn't sure where you were at on the spectrum. <laughs> well, well, actually, actually, if you could tell by the bolts in my neck, I just, I just, I just got woke up. So, <laughs> Doctor Frankenstein was very generous this morning with me, um, and so. So let this this brings me to right to the important stuff. Matt, good sir, what are you carrying today? I I'm sorry guys. I'm a creature of habit. I know what I like. I like what I have. I'm carrying a 99 Camilla's demo knife. <laughs> carrying a Sebenza 25 large, I guess. I don't know if they come in size of the 25. I yeah, think, no, there's okay. there's large. You know, I, I think I think it's just there's not like standard and then small. There's a large and a small. Okay, so, so large yeah, so. large Sebenza 25 and uh arguably one of my all-time favorite EDC fixed blades, a JB Stout uh classic series dropped hunter, which is I this I may have talked about it on here before, but it, th- what this is so cool that it's worth mentioning again. I mean, this, a it's, it's a it's a top shelf knife. It's a user. I mean, um, there's there's obviously some engineering going on because right on the bottom, when when you it's a full tang knife, right? But it's got a um, a, a classic drop point hunter style guard that's that that slides on into open a back. slot, yeah, like an open back open back slot. So you look at it, you totally see the spine, but when you look at the belly, the line of the the line of the tang is interrupted by the guard. Totally cool, right? The cool thing about this particular one is that it's obviously sculpted to the exact same radius. And I don't know how he does it. So if you guys <laughs> can imagine uh, the edge of the profile of the knife, right? So if you put a knife down on its spine, on the table, so that the edge is up, you're kind of looking at the edge of the profile of the tang. So the peak of that is a full radius where the guard meets, and the guard meets up to it flawlessly. I, I, I'm sure there's some kind of witchcraft. If I were to go into Jason's <laughs> shop, he'd be like, let me show you how I do this. And I'd be like, God damn it. I almost don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to know the secret because it's mesmerizing from the top and bottom. Yeah. It is just an absolutely perfect fit. And the guard is made of micarta. It's held to on by micarta pins, red yeah. spacers. Uh, you guys may know this. My favorite color combo is like uh Red liners and olive drab canvas micarta. And, that's, and that, this that's, is it. it. That's it to a T, man. I mean, it's it's a real. It's almost like he's showing off with the, with the micarta oh. pens and the, and the liners. Well, that, he's that, a, that puts everything. He together. is an engineer. He's a right? tool and die maker by trade. Right, and right. It, so he's used to he's used to making things exceedingly precise. Yes, exactly. Right? So so this this is just an example of what he does. And on top of that, he's a, a hell of a designer. That's a really nice looking knife. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got the classic lines, but it's got a new spin on it. And uh, he's a great guy. Like, he's the kind of guy that you want to have beers with and hang out. He's not, uh, you know, look, let's be honest. 
when you get into some of the upper echelons of knife makers, people who I consider to be very talented, they they fall. It's like a, a hen laying an egg on a peaked roof. They're, they're, the <laughs> wa- there's the a watershed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And either they go to full-blown tattoo artist a-holes or they're like the most awesome people you've ever met. <laughs> and we don't know what it's going to be. Which we, way, which way never the know when you meet somebody like no. that. And I can tell you that uh, Jason J.B. Stout, Jason of J.B. Stout, it, he definitely falls to the just an amazing guy. Like you just want to hang out with him. He's, he's just a cool cat. So, um, what, yeah, it's very what, excited. What is the model name? What is that particular model it's, name? You know, it is his classic Hunter, okay. and it's part of his like classic series. So he does some kind of loveless reboots that right. are very radically changed. I mean, you can see it in the handle and everything, but they're similar, right? Yeah, it's, they're a, reminiscent. It's, a mo- it's a modern take of a classic trap point. Hunt. Yep. And I so mean, he absolutely. does, like, he does shoot knives. Oh, cool. He does some yeah. double edge ones. I mean, and Jenna, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to plug my wife right now while you guys are listening. <laughs> well, Huh. <laughs> that sounded uh, a little bit X-rated. Take two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I am going to plug my wife's business, Skinbender Leatherworks. They do the leatherwork for JB Stout knives. And uh, when she was sheathing some of his knives, now look, I, I'll be completely honest with you guys. I am not a big custom maker fan. I love seeing their work, <laughs> but as far as what I would carry, I'm just not a big custom guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's true. You carry production knives, and I typically, love production or, or knives. your own knife. Yeah, rarely do I carry Rare, my own. Yeah, but rarely. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, it. yeah. Interesting. I'm just yeah. It's just not. It's not my bag, and it's not out of like competitiveness or anything like that. It's uh, it's just sometimes I just don't tickle my fancy. It is what it is. But uh, Jenna was like, "Hey, would you ever carry any of Jason's work?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah, right. I was you like, didn't even have to think about it. No, you were just I, like, I was yes, like, absolutely. I love because seeing so many come in while she does the mm-hmm. she's for him. Uh, I'm like, man, this guy is tight and right. Like his stuff is just wired super tight. So I thought it was really cool. And so she worked out a deal with him and got me this sweet knife. Just, I remember it was a big stress that she had to have the sheath stitched in time for me to wear it on the trip to Michigan when we moved here. She wanted this to be on my side when we made the move to (laughs) Michigan. So there is some sentimental value in this knife also, in addition to being an awesome blade. But uh, yeah, so that's when I got it, and I I haven't put it down since. Every once in a while, I will carry either a Marbles 5-inch Ideal. Which is cool. Or I will carry a Bark River uh, Drop Hunter Classic Loveless Design. So Mm -hmm. uh, those are my three EDC blades, but this is the one nine out of ten times. I mean, look how gouged up the back is from opening beer bottles. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I totally like, get it. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. my go-to blade. My, so, my ultralight bushcrafter is the kind of the same way. There's a bunch of scratches on it, and it became like a little bit of a party trick. Did you see that? Yeah. No. Where, did, did you ever like go to a party and you open up a beer bottle with your knife, and someone's like, can what what did you do? Can, can you show me that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, happened. it's happened before. I oh, mean, for it's, sure. It's cool. But yeah, yeah. No, it's... It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. What are you it's carrying, cool. Mr. Stewart? I am carrying, thanks to our buddy Johnny, uh, Johnny Balatzis at CopusDesigns.com, um, I'm carrying a very, very cool oh, SDK is, multi-tool. That is cool. This this is pretty This is pretty slick. It's, it's like a, it's got like a tiger striping on here um, with, with the Copus Designs logo on the blade. There are two blades on this. There's a straight blade on the left side and just in front of that where a tip should be is a chisel grind. Yep. And then there's a there's a flat grind that's not sharp right next to that just going clockwise around the around the device. That works as a flathead screwdriver. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Right, works as a flathead screwdriver. And then underneath that going around the uh the square if you will is a combination bottle opener and quarter inch driver. 
Pretty clever. It's pretty clever. <laughs> and then, and it's not just like a pocket tool. It's actually like a little bit of a knife. And it, you get, can you guys hear that? It it slides open and locks like a liner lock. It's it's like a it's 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 a pretty cool thing. The the screw that holds it down and the pocket clip are green andonized, and everything else is stone washed. And this thing this thing really is. It's damn cool. It's this thing, neat. Yeah. I, I like this thing a lot. I mean, it's it's sharp. It's sharp. It does it does what you need to do. I've used it as a chisel before. Nice. I've used it to. Uh, so whenever we uh, add add liners to a pre made handle, yes, right? I know exactly you, where you're going. Right, with this. you know exactly where I'm going yeah. with this. Right, right. We have to pop those holes back out. So we go over back to the drill press, make sure there's a sharp bit. We get really close. We just go boop, and we and we pop the hole through. You know, for the pilot the liner hole, material. right? But the liner, but the liner material because it's vulcanized fiber, kind of curls up. So you have to shave it. I use my SDK to shave that clean off in one stroke. That is a perfect yeah. application for that. So, Just, I mean, whoop. as a knife maker, I spent half my day doing that to liners on <laughs> knives. You know what I mean? And I was using yeah. a... You know, whatever blade was in my hand, mostly the stout or whatever, but that would be perfect because you just, so guys, just so you can picture this, and I'm, I'm sure you can, it, it doesn't take uh, a mechanical engineer to understand what's going on, but as the drill bit passes through the liner material, the plastic, you know, the fiber or whatever you want to call it, and then this kind of construction paper coating that's over it, it curls up and creates a parapet around the hole. That, that's the and, word, yeah. And absolutely. if you were to put, the scale on the tang of the knife in that state, you would have gaps. It would never sit flush. Right, right. Because your entire scale will sit around that. And when, then when you put the clamps on around that, you end up bubbling the micarta. And you yes. have this huge smiling gap. That's right. All the way through the knife. And and this just like one pass with this. It was totally flat, totally flush. And then I had a really nice fit. That's great. So so yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked about it. It's super easy to open. Um, it goes in the pocket. Goes in the pocket really easily. Um, it goes in my uh, my right side front pocket, right next to my wallet. Sweet. And and anytime I need it, just pop it out and boop, right there, 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 open. So yeah, no, no, I'm really stoked. So I'm carrying that. What else? What? And I am carrying my uh, my Spyderco Paramilitary too. Thing is lightning fast. And uh, in M390, I think this was a sprint run. Um, and so in this one, I probably ruined it. So you spider guy, spider cool guys that are listening are probably like, why would you do that to the knife? I convexed it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I full convexed it. Um, one thing we do in the shop, and this is how we grind blades. I have no problems telling you guys is that, is that we, we take our bevels down to about, uh, 40, 40, 50,000 edge when we do it by hand or when we, when we get, when we get the, the mid tack process rolling, we'll, 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 we'll get it. We'll get everything flat ground down to about a 40,000 edge. And then we'll take that edge and we'll actually bevel it like we're finishing to the sharp? knife to sharp mm -hmm. just with a bevel. And then at that point, then we convex through that. This knife already had a very sizable bevel on it. So I just convexed right over it. There you go. Right all the way down. I didn't lose a single micron of blade doing it. And these are full flat grind anyways. Well, at oh, least yeah. this one in particular. So visually, it just looks like there's no secondary bevel. Right. But as far as cutting goes, I mean, you really... Look, I do not convex. I will. Mm -hmm. I do not yeah. convex, and I do not club dance. Two things that I'm just terrible <laughs> at. Basketball, too. Let's throw that in there. And kissing ass. All right. So there, <laughs> yeah, ass. those are the things I'm not good at. You mean they're not? There aren't any five foot seven <laughs> basketball players. Basketball? Spud Webb yeah. back in the day. But that's yeah. about it. But yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, when I see somebody convex a knife, usually it dramatically alters the visual appearance and me not being a convexer, I'm a secondary bevel guy, micro bevel, whatever the hot word of the week is. Uh, secondary bevel is what we call it in the shop. Uh, I am a secondary bevel guy, but you cannot contest the cutting power of convex. 
I mean, it really is. Uh, to me, it is well, one of the yeah, best performing yeah. edge geometries on the market, and it was pioneered by Bill Moran. Am I wrong? Uh, no, no, you're not wrong. I think I think him he did that. I think Skagel, a lot of Skagels were convex too. You know, I guess that's so, a good point. Yeah, um, yes, a lot of Skagels were convex as well. And I guess but, arguably the Scandies. Um, if you were yeah, if you were to go by the Mike Stewart book of history, then you would say <laughs> yeah. all Scandies back in the day well, were well, convex. I, I tend to believe him because all those all those blades, um, Japanese blades too, were were all hand ground. And whenever you hand do something, and this is and and uh, our, our muscles from Brussels. You know, uh, Michiel Michiel Manhood will will tell it will tell you the same thing is that when you do it by hand, you can get close to a flat and it'll perform kind of flat, but in reality, what you're doing is a convex edge. So, so what what Matt was talking about is that all knives, period, up until about the 1800s that were done on stones, are convex. Right. You're doing it naturally by hand anyway. I think a Japanese sword's so, called Niku, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, that I don't know, but so uh, but I'll take that is that sure, last. Yeah. Last little bit of apple seed before the terminal edge. Right. Okay. And so that last little, you know, excuse me, guys. Uh, that last little <laughs> bit of edge where, yeah. where it's blended. And feel free, guys, to chime in. Reed, I might have you on this one. Uh, <laughs> he always lets me know when I mess up. Um, I think I believe it's called Niku. Very cool. Oh, there you go. Very cool. So, 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 wait, wait, hold on. Just spin me up on that real quick. You, you've got, they do the entire. They do the entire bevel all the way down to a super thin edge, and then they just do like the final pass that blends. It's actually kind of a rocking motion in the polishing, which uh, Japanese swords are technically sharpened; they're polished too sharp. Interesting. And so what okay. they're what they're doing is as they're doing that, the last little bit, almost mm-hmm. if if you could imagine cheating. Yeah, it, it's almost they they feather it. They yes. feather it up. But it gives onto the edge. edge stability. Sure. Because yeah, just like a convex edge, you want that. Otherwise, if you lack edge stability, if you had a true perfect machine ground zero grind knife mm-hmm. with a bevel height that high you'd foil at the edge yeah you would it'd be weak you yeah. know what i mean because the angle's too acute yes absolutely that's that, that actually feeds into a razor discussion a little bit that's something that you actually kind of want you oh, want sweet. you want a, an ever so slight foiling foreshadowing of that edge a little yeah, bit of yeah, foreshadowing yeah. because this is the week where we talk about razors some more but Woo, part two. but uh but so um i think that rounds it out i don't think we have uh um, do, do you have anything in particular as far as news news stories to talk about? Yes, I do. Oh, uh, oh. I, I do. So this one, we're actually in this news. Oh, I like that. I like I like being included in news. So we were contacted okay. by uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Todd Begg himself. Yeah. And he, he gave us a buzz. We Jim and I had a conference call on that with the director of the Knife Makers oh, Guild. Right. Yep. I, I totally forgot where we were going with this. But yes, go ahead. No, I remember right, that. I, yeah, I, I'm good. I, well, actually, I had, to, I had to contact Todd today, and I mm-hmm. was like, hey, are we – can we talk about this? Because there's like <laughs> a pretty big thing on the horizon, and yeah. I didn't want to give away too much. But basically, Jerry Moen, um, an accomplished knife maker in his own right, of course, but really, moreover, this amazing, amazing visionary and inventor. He does, he wears a lot of hats and he's been around for a long time. And he is the director of the guild, of the Knife Makers Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. I have some notes here. So give me just one second. Uh, but as director of the guild, he has taken it upon himself to launch a project to bring all industry resources, knife industry resources, into one central location via the internet. So we all know that we're kind of throttled on Facebook and social media as far as what we can advertise and what we can even say and stuff like that. And uh, Jerry, being the visionary that he is, said, nope, that's enough of that. Now, he's not trying to start like MeWe or or kind of a social media that... Mm -hmm. Because when they're pitching this or explaining it to us, I'll be honest, there was a little bit of a... 
you know, kind of like an inward draw of breath, like, I don't know, man. And we got to lay our eyeballs on the beta site, on the beta site. Yeah. And I was blown away. Yeah. I, every bit of apprehension it just to- totally evaporated. Yeah. Oh, you too. Oh, it, yeah. You could see no, it yeah. on our face. We were like, oh, <laughs> they're not kidding. No, no. And it's not just like some, like, uh, pit- I'm sure you guys have all seen the, the semi- the semi websites built by like college freshmen for money on the side. And yes, that's kind of what. Oh, I my was cousin's thinking. a web designer. Right, yeah. right. We can, we, can, we can do this just fine. No, Jerry Moen is pulling out all the stops on this. He's putting down some big money to some big to 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 a very large firm that has excellent rep that has that has an excellent reputation online. Uh, the guy who websites. built the website has been working with computers since 1968. Just to illustrate a point. Yeah. (laughs) Think about that. Yeah. It's crazy. So this is really Jerry's legacy. Obviously, he's been a part of this industry for who knows how many decades. I don't know personally, but I would assume more than two. Um, uh, So he wants to leave this legacy on everybody that is let's create something to bring us all together and uplift uplift the entire community. Now, this includes makers. This includes uh, purveyors. Yep. This includes the support networks. This also mm-hmm. includes customers and fans. Yeah, and so it's, it's literally everybody. It's yeah. all inclusive. Yeah. All inclusive. Yeah. Everybody that has anything to do with the knife industry, consumers included, is welcome to be on this website. And it's a it gives a leg up to a lot of the guys who are looking to look. A, a lot of these cats have been making knives for the past forty years. They're not as internet savvy. It can be a little bit intimidating, and mm-hmm. so he's giving a venue for them. To also go into, and I mean, they're having like tutorial videos on yeah. there, like how tos from masters. I, yes, it's insane. And yep, and any, any maker, any maker, you can go on there and you can actually customize your own personal like homepage, if you will. Yes, like like don't don't think GeoCities homepage when I say homepage, but I'm talking about like a customizable maker profile that you manage, which is and which oh. which is which is tips and tricks that makers can put up there and other people can read including other makers and masters and consumers and just like getting a getting a getting a, a further in-depth look into the lives of 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 full-time knife makers yeah or part-time knife makers or, or whoever wants to be on it like we said it's totally inclusive that's cool so yeah. we're looking forward to that um i believe it's going to be live by september so yeah. this is an appropriate time for us to kind of start mentioning it to you guys, like I said, we got to see the beta site. Unfortunately, that's not for public review. Nope. Um, but I was absolutely blown away. Yeah. Now, the working title of the website, and I don't know if this is um, set in stone. It, it's a pretty cool name, but I don't know if this is what it's going to be. But right now, it's the Masters of Fit and Finish. That's what they're calling it. Which which I think and is so, a decent name. It is. I and when you see name, like yeah. the banner across the top, you're like, oh, yeah, that plays. <laughs> uh, it plays. And so yeah. – uh, so keep an eye out for that, and we'll keep you guys updated as it gets closer and as things come to be. But I can say, and I'm speaking for Jim here, I we're excited to even be included in this at all as the podcast. Yeah. So I can't wait to put a profile up for Vehement Knives, and I can't wait for Behind the Blade to really be waving a flag on this thing because it is – look, they're, they're not paying us. They're not sponsors of the show. They're, it's I told you very flat out. I was very apprehensive when they pitched the idea, and when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is it." And yeah, yeah. Just just think about that. Uh, Matt, by nature, is a very skeptical person. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. And so and so he he likes to play the devil's advocate a lot. I mean, anybody who knows Matt knows knows what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> it's totally true, right? Okay, it's totally true, right? Matt and Matt Matt did that, and I did that too. I saw it. and I'm like, really? Do we need this? But then we saw the sight, we saw the vision, and we have a lot of faith in it. Yeah, I mean, totally. and so and so I think that uh, you know it should be the back of your guys' mind, like it's in the back of ours. And we will keep you guys appraised of any sort of news that kind of comes our way that uh, that we're allowed, that we're able to share with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, cool. Absolutely. Any news so, headlines or anything that tickled your fancy today? Um, I the let's see, let's see. Oh, yeah, today's news also brought to you by Knife News. Today's news for knife people. Knifenews.com. Um, there is a there's a convertible dagger that kind of caught my eye. That's also that's a that's a double edged knife and convertible into a push dagger. This has been out for a long time, though. Have it, uh, but this one's like, from Kaiser. Like the seventies. I mean, oh, has has it been? Yeah, yeah come oh, around yeah. this way. Was, come uh, around this way. Who used to do it? Oh, I don't know. But yeah, it's pretty hot. I, it's they pretty have cool. definitely been around, maybe even longer than that. Maybe I'm sure if if I were to talk to somebody here in New Sheffield and be like, "Hey, have you ever seen this?" They'd be like, "Well, in the 1800s, Sheffield used to make <laughs> these by the thousand. But uh, no, those have been around for a while. But that one is pretty slick. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. That uh, that really caught my eye. Um, of Vagninos. Careful with that one. (laughs) Well, it's V-A-G-N-I-N-O. And I don't want to say vaginas. And because because I'm I'm I'm, Matt and I are tired, man. Matt Matt, I was I was dragging so much that like Jenna, Jenna, Matt's bride, came to me with a five hour energy and goes, You need to slam this. (laughs) It's true, yeah. And, And and it was so bad. But uh but Hey, we're here anyway, giving you guys a good show. That's it. Yeah, we yeah. actually came straight from the shop. Like, as we're recording this right now, it's 1040. So if you can do the math from where we started, we came from the shop, ate a cold slice of pizza that Jim hooked me up with, <laughs> and we discussed the show, and here we are right back into it. So, uh, yeah, Jenna's, Jenna's still at the shop slaving away right now. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, we we uh, we do slave we do slave over our passion, but it's a passion of uh, – it's a, it's a passion of love, man. This is this is good. Yeah, I was I was there late, not quite as late as you, not quite as late as you, but I was I was there till like seven thirty. Yeah. Today, I mean, so that's that's eleven hours. Yeah. You know, yeah, and we, we did the same thing the day before. Yeah, yeah you guys have been there, which is weird because we're not used to company after hours. You right. know what I mean? But uh, yeah, and we've been pushing to ten thirty every night, so from nine to ten thirty every night this week, it's been mm-hmm. a little bit much. But I mean. Look, there's a reason that we took on this project of the pot. And look, guys, we are ex- when I say exhausted, Jim and I are knackered. He's got a puppy. His <laughs> wife is out of town. He's got the kids. And so, I mean, he's playing Mr. Mom and we're putting the boots to it before a trip to go be in a wedding and see our friends back in Colorado. Um, but we're not consumed by the knife business, the industry. We actually feed on it. If anything, we consume it. So, we're, right. I mean, we're driven by this passion that we have for it. And I hope that that comes through in this podcast and in our respective works and our companies because yeah. it's uh it's pretty exciting even though we're exhausted here we are talking and and, <laughs> and we really hope that this fuels you like the knife industry kind of fuels us Hell this, yeah. is, this is our edition you know other other than our respective companies this is just you know this is just another facet for us to love on the knife industry i mean and so this is turning cool. into a full-time job it, it kind of is <laughs> a, a part-time I mean, like a real yeah, part-time yeah job. yeah we're 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 starting to really pick up some steam and it's really thanks to you guys and we could not be more proud of you so thank you guys so much yeah. all right all right we're gonna we're gonna break at the segment and we will be back shortly with the next 
What's happening, gang? Matt Martin with Behind the Blade Podcast, inviting you to go check out one of our dear friends and good supporter of the show, Tom Krein of Krein Knives. That's K-R-E-I-N Knives, K-N-I-V-E-S, in case you're wondering how to spell the second word. Uh, you can find him on Facebook at Crying Knives Group Facebook group. So just make sure you go to the search bar and type in Crying Knives Group, and you'll find it there. Cool thing about Tom's group: see, his books are closed, uh, but he does lotto's frequently, and his knives are very well priced, especially for the amount of work and quality that goes into him. The guy's just a master freehand grinder, and one of the few people that can touch an existing maker's knife or a production knife, regrind it, and have it go up in value. Most times you find people who take them to the back of their can opener and regrind them and just decimate the value, if not increase the value for every other knife still alive in the world at that point. It's true. It. Um, but no, Tom's a great guy, huge supporter of the show. I invite you to go check him out. He even does this cool thing. He calls them Have It Your Way Lottos. What is that? Tell me so, about that. So he'll lay out a dozen blades or five blades or whatever the number is, and he'll throw them out there. They're heat treated, and you get to pick the grind and the handle material. And he'll kind of huh. custom make an existing blank for you right there, and you get it in two weeks. So there's no three-year wait time. I think his his log is, is somewhere upwards of three years right That's now. That's so awesome. You have a so chance cool. to grab one of his knives in a couple weeks, and uh, he's been doing it for like 24 years, I want to say. Uh, just an amazing cat. So go check him out. Tom Crine, Crine Knives, K-R-E-I-N. Thanks. And we are back. Now, because it's been such a hellacious week at both of our shops, uh, unfortunately, gang, this is one where we didn't take the time to do the research and figure out a history segment for you. No, 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 as as like we said earlier, we both pretty much just came home. (laughs) You know, to be quite honest, guys, uh, in any other world, I would have just been like, let's skip it, except I'm leaving for a week, and I don't want to leave Jim holding the bag, and we both don't want you guys to go without a podcast, especially our trench crew or anybody who, uh, you know, I know some of you guys listen in your patrol cars, you know, cops, uh, LEOs, and uh, a lot of guys, our trench crew listens to it in the shop, and not that we're the most amazing, but you get used to that background noise, and you don't want to hear the reruns, so... We are kind of putting it all out there for you guys. Unfortunately, you're going to have to do without the history segment. So, Jim, what do we have? We have some minor corrections. Oh, good. I like <laughs> minor corrections. So, yeah, we are humble here at the Behind the Blade podcast. In fact, we are the most humble. Yeah. yeah. We're the <laughs> humblest people you're ever going to meet. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have no problem. We have no problem being corrected. <laughs> and uh, I know Matt's got a couple and I have one specifically. On the last episode, I'll, I'll go ahead and just start with mine. Are you saying you're more right than me, judging by the volume of corrections? Uh, I'm less caught. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, no, no, um, <laughs> hang on, still recovering from that one. The, uh, so last episode, I had said, I, I, I misspoke a little bit. I had said that, um, guys in YouTube videos were holding their knives in hammer grip and then judging the knife, and then I, and then I said that's, and then I said that that was wrong. How it came off was I said that hammer grips are wrong. <laughs> That's how it came oh, off. Oh, gotcha. And, uh, and um, Mr. Dan Schwayman had uh, had contacted me and uh, asked me to clarify a little bit on that. And he goes, because I use a hammer grip all the time and totally okay. And you're right. Hammer, hammer grips themselves are not wrong. The only problem I really have 
um, with that, just to clarify that whole thing, was that you can't take a knife fresh out of the box, hold it in a hammer grip, and then declare that it is bad. The knife without without using it totally, and I don't care. I don't care about what you think about it. If you set out to do it or not, you can't just do a tabletop review and go. I don't like this knife. I think hammer grip yeah. in your context was a placeholder for any we call them GP or general purpose grip. Sure, like you can't yeah. just. So I think the point Jim was conveying is that the guy opens the box, holds the knife in a grip. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Versus just hammer grip. I think he was just using that for verbiage while speaking. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's that's how it came out. So Yeah, yeah. But but it came across wrong and I just wanted to go ahead and be uh way more humble than Matt and say I'm that. the most <laughs> humble man. <laughs> yeah. And go ahead and go ahead and just clarify that. So in case there's any confusion. Um yeah, and we really appreciate you guys for contacting us and saying and, and asking us questions about this and making us really look and uh, and analyze at our own perspectives. So, and just making sure that we're coming across clear for you guys. So, it's totally cool. Totally cool. So, uh, Matt, what corrections do you have, good sir? Oh, I thought you had them on the on the email. Uh, oh, no, I don't, because... one nothing. Who's the oh. most right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah! yeah. There, there was something. You're right. It's just, you know, I right. don't have the email. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> Reed was... Reed. 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 I told you to email me. I guess I... I misspoke on a nut. Well, okay. First of all, I know he told me this one in person. I said that Webster Marble developed or designed the Jet Pilot Survival Knife, which Webster Marble died, I want to say, 1937, thereabouts. Mm -hmm. And the Jet Pilot Survival Knife or the Pilot Survival Knife was designed in 57. Maybe he died in 34, but either way, it was right. the numbers on the blueprint are 57. So. Uh, he designed it posthumously. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from beyond the grave. No, uh, one of his design team or one of the, the members of the design team at Marble Knives was a also a real innovator. Imagine hiring that guy at a company like that. And he did, developed it or they developed it. It was not Webster himself. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I was wrong somewhere else because I was kind of running at the mouth about my... Uh, museum experience and so read please uh, email us or any of you guys that realize exactly how wrong we are uh <laughs> when you're not dazzled by our handsome faces then just for shoot, radio yeah shoot yeah, we have faces <laughs> for radio shoot us a message at info at behind the blade podcast.com and we will get it fixed properly uh, what else do we have as far as I feel like there so, was something else we were there about. was something else the giveaway update oh, that's right that's, that's right. history yeah, that happened that's, last that's week that's history yeah. yeah so so we recently gave away the American Knife Company Forest Two with behind the blade logo behind the blade on on the obverse side of the knife I, it's it's not old for me I'm telling you the joke the joke's not old no I know yeah you're still you're like <laughs> and guess where it is it's behind the blade and I am gonna email info at behind the blade podcast .com and. Say, correction, Jim. We didn't give anything away. You guys earned it. You guys got us to 200 <laughs> subscribers, and we wanted to do something special. Now, I already have plans for our next milestone. Oh. And we kind of alluded to that in the video. Yeah, on the live video, you can you can find the live video on our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash Behind the Blade Podcast. Yes. So make sure you guys check that out and watch it if you haven't already. Congratulations to the winners. Mr. Dean Bailey was number 29. 
the number pulled from Rando.org. He won the main prize, the knife. And uh, we had a runner-up, Colby Carpenter, for a little bit of a swag bag. Yeah, I think they got a K&E yeah, sharpener, right. uh, T-shirts, stickers, business cards, yep. the whole bit. Yeah, yeah so the, that the was whole pretty thing. groovy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks to KME for that. As always, those guys are badass. They K- always hook us up. KMESharp.com. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> um, yeah, and they've, they've, so actually, that is a brilliant segue because I can tell you the hint is that when we reach 500 subscribers, the folks over at KME have hooked us up big time. Yeah. So we yeah. just just put that in your back pocket and whenever you're online and you're like, you know, I would kind of like something awesome from KME Sharpeners. Maybe I should share the link to the podcast and get more subscribers so I have a shot at it. And so why don't you guys do that? This is a call to action. Tell your friends what we're up to. And uh, one of our sponsors, KME Sharpeners, is going to hook it up with a little surprise. And when I say little, it's not that little. So I hope you guys are willing to go do some footwork. We will be doing our best from our end. Mm -hmm. And let's get to 500 subscribers. I can't believe the way this has grown. I mean, I really can't. No, it's massive. It's massive. It's crazy. It's it's, it's great. I mean, like, uh, we uh, we also broke, I don't know if this is public knowledge or not, but we, um, within the last couple of weeks, broke 10,000 downloads within 90 days. Yeah. we broke, yeah, we, we, we broke 10,000 downloads. We've got, we've got, uh, we've got, we've got stats for individual audience members as well, but we really need that subscriber number up. That's really what drive the whole wagon Yes, is, is that, is that number of subscribers. So, Hey Matt, how do you do that, man? How do you, how do you, how do you boost that subscriber number? I do believe you share links to our Facebook page everywhere that you possibly can. You tell all your friends who are knife nuts, and once they get involved in it and they get on SoundCloud, they get on Stitcher, they get on iTunes, you either click that subscribe or follow button, and you just boom, that's it. Just like that, now you are a member of the tribe. You are locked in, and you will hear every episode we drop, and it'll give you a notification as soon as we drop it. So you're always up to speed, you know, you're right on it. And I'm falling apart because I'm tired, so it's starting to feel like an ad, and we can't really cut <laughs> and go again because it's really a segment. Yeah, this is, this is a segment. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, make sure make sure that you guys hit that subscribe button in iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher, and uh, and you have all sorts of other podcast aggregates that uh, aggregation programs that go through all of those different databases that work as well too. Um, on Android, I use Podcast Addict for all the podcasts that I listen to. Cool. And that browses the iTunes library. So anything on iTunes is on Podcast Addict on Android. I had to so. have Jim set it up for me because I don't know how to computer. I'm a little bit little bit more. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh definitely. Only, yeah. only a little bit more. Uh, if but, it were up to me, it would be one tin can with 10,000 strings. <laughs> <laughs> and you just kind of thumb the one that you want yeah, to call. That's boom, right. Boom, boom. <laughs> All right. Well, so, thanks for bearing with our sparse and virtually non-existent history lesson other than something that happened Tuesday. Uh, we will be back in a moment <laughs> for uh, Jim's going to walk us through some uh, this part two of the straight razor tech tips. So I'm actually pretty excited about that. I got some questions for him and we will see you guys in a moment. As we talked about in the last segment, 
KME is going to be hooking us up with a little something special uh, for our 500 subscriber giveaway. But until then, we do not know how long that's going to take. Until that time comes, I can tell you that they are willing to give you $25 off either the regular or deluxe systems on their website if you use here's the secret password it is behind the blade just enter that coupon code in the little box there and it will save you 25 buckaroos on your KME sharpening system which I recommend everybody get even if you don't get $25 off because they're awesome and uh, yeah so go check oh I did talk to uh, Ron over there and he said that the coupon code is not exclusive to the website you can actually call them uh, you can get their phone number off the website, the 1-800 number, but you can call KME Sharpeners and tell a human being behind the blade sent me, and they'll still hook you up with that $25 off, which I thought was great. I thought that was kind of cool that they did that. It is going to be running all the way through the end of July 2017, so it is kind of a limited engagement thing as of the time of this recording. It's the 21st, so you've got about 10 days to get in on that, and I recommend that you do. It's the best deal you're going to find uh, pretty much anywhere right now at 25 bucks off, so... Hit them up, KMESharp.com. Tell them we sent you. back with a third segment it is summer razor craze for me man i've i've made like at least three razors so far this oh year. i know you're yeah. saying about once a year you just freak out on razors uh, and it's and always it's always out. during the summer and it was always completely coincidental it's like oh. it's like it's like, it's like a, it gets warm out and my brain immediately goes to i need a clean face how do i do that <laughs> so yeah as i said before man i fell in love with straight razors um a few years ago i've been shaving um i've been shaving with them for this is my third year I think just doing nothing but pure straight razors. That's all you use. All I use. I don't use okay. anything else. Nothing else. Wow. Except except on the back of my neck. I don't trust myself back there. So <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should get on that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Oh, yeah. Next level. All right. Next yeah, level. Yeah. But but face and neck straight razors, and it's down to baby baby smooth. Um. So um. So let me let me go ahead and just start. I I have some websites for you guys if you want to get into some straight razors. So straightrazors.com, straightrazordesigns.com, portlandrazorcompany.com, and customstraightrazors.com. I know that was a bunch of stuff to throw at you, but well, go ahead. This is recorded. You can yeah. rewind it and listen. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. So make sure that you do that. The all of these places have razors and brushes and soaps of all sorts of different levels and variety and price ranges for you to get your feet wet into if this is something that you wanted to do learning how to wet shave is like a, it's like a man ritual how many man rituals do you get to honestly say are pure man rituals especially nowadays right this is it's a good yeah no it's a good point i mean this right? is yeah this is something now now, can ladies shave their legs with a straight razor? Absolutely. Is that a thing? Is there a culture behind that at all? I, I don't think it's a, as big of a culture, but there is a little bit of that. Okay. And, and And use all the same stuff with all the same methods. I mean, like if you're... Longer strokes, oh, though, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah a, little bit. <laughs> a, little, a little bit, yeah. It's just... it's just a, it, But it's all the same thing. You it, you start you start, you start start hot. You start hot. You apply the oil. You apply the soap. You shave. And then you shave, you shave with the grain. Then you shave against the grain. And you do that, and you end up with an extremely smooth shave. That's good. So, but the main question for part two really is, why do they do that? Why do they shave that way? And what specifically goes into it? Matt, you're a hollow grinder. Yes. You do hollow grinds. I've, I have yet to actually do a decent hollow grind outside of uh, one of the Barkover trackers. But I, as but, a hollow grinder and as a hand grinder, you're 
Razor's boss. And guys, I'm not stroking his ego. They blow my friggin' mind open. <laughs> really? And, yeah, I'm just like, God. You know, geez. And you look at it, and it's so thin, and it has to be held so straight, and you can't burn through. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Hand grinding, you know what I mean. It's yep. it's, e- it's hard enough. It's easy enough to screw up a quarter inch thick piece of steel or three sixteenths piece. Now yeah. imagine taking it down to you know almost atomic oh, level. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we're talking six thousands. Yeah, it's but, crazy. but by the time I'm done, but before I put my bevels on because I freehand hollow grind on these things, my edge starts at ten thousands. It's great. Human hair is I think seven. Yeah, human hair. Yeah, so it's all, just a little bit wider than the width of a human hair. That's when I start putting my bevel on, and That's then crazy. I actually go back on the hollow grinder after I'm sure that my bevel's straight because I actually go back and I hone that bevel down. Um, I'll actually go back and I'll thin it even more through the bevel. You know, just just so it's even smaller, and 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 that's really for not not necessarily for like more edge stability or anything like that. It's just like so like honing takes less time. Because oh, <laughs> because you know if a bevel if a bevel is like thirty thousandths wide, why not make it fifteen thousandths wide and make it even less less metal that you got to take right. down? And then you end up with a finer shave anyway. So. Um, so what are we covering today? Are we covering so, techniques, shaving techniques. Well, no, no, not necessarily that, but more like well, let's talk about construction and grinds okay, gotcha. for a second. So, so when we're talking about straight razors, and let, we're we're going to talk about Western straight razors, not not Japanese straight razors. It's uh, those those are a much different grind, and I have actually yet to really dive into it. But Western grinds um, are actually really easy. They're just in the center. So no matter what, the exact same grind is, is uh, on the left and right side, no matter what, and you may just make sure that you, that your edge is in the center. Talking about different styles of grinds. Um, <clears throat> I really can't go into that without discussing how to measure the blade height of a razor, okay? Well, because right. the blade height of a razor is measured in eighths, typically. Really? Is measured in eighths. So, so it's there's, like uh, 11 eighths tall? Uh, yeah, that would be a shovel. Oh, okay, is that big? <laughs> right, yeah. oh, that, that's 11 one eighth inch segments. Right, so it's an inch right? and a change right okay. <laughs> inch and then more yeah. so there's there are 11 eighths inch raiders there were there really are there's nine there's there's 10 eighths there's eight eighths which is a one inch wide, gotcha. wide yeah, bevel. Right. there's, there's eighths, nine yeah. eighths yeah, yeah. yeah um the the most common one throughout history and and straight razors are not uncommon they're, they're a little uncommon now but they didn't used to be right so this is before like the multi-bladed multi multi-shaving industry right you know thing that kind of took over that that everybody's totally used to now everybody in their and their grandmother shaved with a straight razor. So they were everywhere. Everybody had them. Which is why you don't find a whole lot of old straight razors that are worth a lot of money. Because everybody and their mother so had abundant. one. Right. right, they're so abundant. I mean, you might find like an old Wade and Butcher for like a hundred bucks. Gotcha. So uh, what you're typically, about. They, they, well, it's like finding a house key. I guess you know, right. Everybody yeah. had one. Yeah. Like, oh, Ev- wow. Everybody yeah. had one. So that's why there's not a whole lot of value behind that. I'm sure that I'm wrong if you go into specifics, but I'm just talking about generally. So. Um, what about the grind? So, so, so the grind height is uh, the grind itself is directly determined by the height of the blade and the available stones uh, available to the maker to grind them. Gotcha. So right? the radius of the wheel dictates against the height of the grind. You know, right? It'll it'll determine how stiff the blade is and how thin it can okay. be. The, the smoothest shaves are with the thinnest grind. So that's a so if you picture a full hollow, so you've got you've got uh, the triangle of the hollow. And then it's just paper thin from about two thirds of the way up the blade all the way down. Gotcha. I've never been able to actually successfully do that without burning right through it, oh, just I can to- imagine, totally yeah. foiling it. Um, but that gives you the best, the best, smoothest, closest shave. Now, why do different razor makers have different thickness of grinds? Yes, it's a it's it's material and equipment availability, but some people did it a lot on purpose as well, and that's because um, you can have different tiers. Of, of, of thicknesses of razors. You can start with a really thick razor, 
like to a take hogging a, razor. Right, right, exactly. Okay. That's exactly what it is. You have a hogging razor. So if somebody guys, if a guy's a big old bushy, bushy beard and he wants to look like a twelve year old by the time you're done with it, you start with that. Then you go to the, you start with a, a quarter hollow or a wedge, uh-huh. which is like the thickest type of razor. And then you go to a, then you can go to a half hollow, which is which is uh, where where the blade is. The the it's it's the hollow goes down to about half or maybe two thirds of the way, still considered a half hollow. And and then you would go to a full hollow to, for for an even smoother shave. Um, more modern steels, like nowadays, because we have those now. Modern steels, you can you can take a full hollow razor and do the same thing with that because the blade is just stiffer. Gotcha. So if you make a razor out of CPM one fifty four at full hollow, um, it's the it works gonna, just as good as an antique hogging blade. It it, it has the potential to yeah. Okay. I mean I mean it, it's still probably not going to be exactly the same because you're getting it thin at that point and then you're worried about edge you know destabilization. But okay. you have the potential to 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 it'll definitely last a lot longer. So, but anyway, that is something so, that these guys who want to get into the straight razor game, that's something they can hop on eBay or go to the websites that you mentioned earlier. And if they're like, would you think for a beginner, it'd be wise to set out with a set of three razors? Um, yeah, actually that would, that would not be a terrible idea. Um, I'd actually start with like a half hollow for one. Half, okay. A half we're hollow. Pick one. Yeah. Yeah. If you were going to pick one, try to find like a half hollow and do a cursory like Google search on the different types of hollow grinds for razors, because there's, uh, the reason why I'm not pointing to one specifically is because there's a bajillion of them. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and, and most of them have been pretty correct from what I've seen. There's a, there's, there's a couple of really good ones that really go into um, exceptional detail as far as the grinds go. So you pick a grind that you like. I happen to like half hollows. Um, they're just the most versatile because sometimes I'll go two, three weeks without shaving gotcha. and then I'll take a half hollow and I'll be, I'll take, I'll, I'll go with the grain against the grain. I'll be smooth. Good to go. Um, there, there, it, it's a pretty good middle ground. At least for me, anyway. So, um, so, so that's that's just as far as far as grinds go. Um, the wider the blade, the more strokes you can take. So, a nine eighths razor, you can do more strokes on your face versus a five eighths razor before you have to clean it off. Before you have to clean it. Okay. Before you have yeah, to clean gotcha. it off. Um, and it's all, but you know, you're also dealing with a bigger piece of metal that's heavier, and and it and and when you put it in front of your face. If you put it in front of your eye, because you have to, because if you're a hairy ape like oh, me, where you grow hair, cheek, yeah. where you grow hair, you actually block your own vision. <laughs> and then you're and shaving you're, blind and, and with then, a heavier well, instrument. Right. And, and so, so it's, it can be, it can be a little fun doing it that way. So, um, I hope that this makes sense to you guys. I am totally doing this off the cusp. Cuff. We, we had, the, cuff. we had this conversation yeah, before. Yeah, it's still cuff. So, um, but, uh, but. This stuff, this stuff is, this stuff is really, really kind of interesting, and I love doing it. It's fantastic. Um, so, as far as different steels go, so there's a lot of custom razor makers out there. There's a French maker. He's probably my favorite custom razor maker right now. His name is Cedric Christ. Oh, okay. Similar to Zochrist, but spelled a little bit differently. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but um, he does a lot of Sanmai, a lot of Damascus, a lot oh, of straight oddly stuff. Oddly enough, yeah. on, on 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 razors, and he does a fantastic job. Uh, Cedric with a C, and uh, Christ with also a C. And you can find him on Facebook. He uh, he takes some excellent pictures, and he's got some high dollar razors. And I totally want to own one of those at some point. That's What's like, high dollar in the razor world? Um, high high dollar twelve hundred bucks. Twelve hundred bucks. Oh, 12, no oh, oh yeah. Way up oh yeah, yeah. They, well, we're talking about the twelve hundred dollars ones are like are like the XHP blade. It's it's CTS XHP right. with titanium scales, oh, machined wow. titanium scales, oh, and the fancy. and the whole thing. And I can't remember that guy's name, but but he gets the money for them. He's constantly sold out. Oh yeah. So um. 
but but good good a good price for a razor for a custom straight razor two to three hundred dollars. Oh okay. Yeah. So um, if I were to be making customs on the side, that's probably what I would charge for mine. Now, would there be? Which I think you could definitely get. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come out pretty good. Thanks. Would there be any drawback for somebody who wants to get into straight razor shaving to jump into a custom? Would it be better for them to learn how to strop and sharpen on a burner they got off eBay? Oh, yes, I would. I would actually take a. I would actually take an eBay one. Find one on eBay for twenty bucks. Send it to a guy who knows how to hone. And then get it back and shave with that before you even consider dropping the money on a custom straight razor. Unless, unless you're just like, unless you're like a um, not necessarily not not a connoisseur. What am I thinking of? An enthusiast. Enthusiast, right? Like like um, uh, when I did um, a custom straight razor with Dan Tope, I Dan, uh, Dan and I rehandled one, and uh, because because the handle from the original maker cracked, and we made this really sweet looking handle. The guy that the guy that we sent it to. Hasn't shaved in like five years. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> so there are guys that are out there that are just enthusiasts, which is fine too. I mean, like at that point, at that point, that's a different choice. But if you're looking to get into it for shaving and you want to have a little prestige on it, start with the burner. There you go. Cool. Absolutely. Um, so different steels that would go into this, that go into razors. What what are you looking for? So you're looking for different than knives, slightly. You really? almost want to exclusively be as fine-grained as you can get. And, and... Home maintenance is also something that you really have to take into account for the customer as well because they're going to be rehoning the razor. They're going to be resharpening it every eight, every eighth shave. Is stropping enough, or it, do you actually have to get the stones out from time to time? Um, stropping. Well, they they also sell abrasive compounds that go on those hanging strops. Okay. And so and so some people are some people are crazy about it. Some people some people hit it on that hone every single time. They'll shape. They'll 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 take the razor out. They'll hone it on their Belgian Codicule. Whatever, which is just like your classic barber's shaving stone, the Belgian Codicule. They'll, they'll do oh. the circle strokes and uh, to get to get the burr up, and then they'll strop it sixty times, and then they'll just go. Some people are crazy like that. I'm one of the crazy guys. Mikhail's one of the crazy guys. Tom Blodgett's one of the crazy guys. Where we're like, we're gonna spend a half hour on different stones, on shaped in glass stones, starting at three twenty and going up to fifteen thousand. That's crazy. To, 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 to getting it, but I'm I'm a huge fan of stones. But um, it's really whatever is good for you and your face. You know, okay. really speaking about things objectively. Um, as far as steels go, man, you want, you want fine grain steels. I think the finest <clears throat> grain steel that the strongest one that you could probably use is actually Matt's favorite steel, CPM 154. Bam! Or 154CM. How versatile is that? <laughs> it's, it, you can, you can make a decent good razor. And it's a stainless, which makes sense because it's a wet environment. Yeah, exactly. Like, because, uh, because, you know, a lot of people put those razors right into the bowl of hot water. So so the, so the blades heat up because you well, want everything hot. Well, and they hot. sit, you know, you take a shower or something like that. You're, yeah. Your kid's got a cough. You run the, you know, bath to hot, you know, yep. something like that. So it's in a humid environment also. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, so so it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Other good steels would be AEBL or which is which is a fine-grained version of 440B. Don't tell anybody that we said that. Great <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 secrets. Yep, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, yeah, so there's that. There's also um, the Sandvik version of that steel is called 12C27, and then there's stronger versions of it called 13C26, 19C27. Uh, oh, that's not confusing. Yeah, I know, I know. The, the Sandvik steel. Right. I would get on that immediately. The uh, um, CRMOV, um, those different types of steels, like the like the W, I think it's called w, the WMOV. Like the Chinese steel? No, are, they, are those Chinese? 
WCR three MOV so, so or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah, those I'm are. Sure, like, that, I think that's on like the Spyderco Tenacious, their yeah. Chinese line. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure that's a Chinese steel. Okay, okay. If you can get your hands on those, those are also decent steels to do it with as well. Those are fine grained, easy to use. They were do that. I know it's Japanese exclusively, but um, I don't know if you can get a razor made out of it. Oh, okay. Because because I, I think it's. I mean, can, can you buy, just buy bars of VG10? I know it's hard to get here. I, yeah. There are some other uh, counterparts that I cannot remember for the life of me what they're called, but I didn't know if there was like a... Uh, excuse me, guys. I didn't know if there was a Japanese maker that was putting out VG10 razors that had good uh, feedback. Huh, that's, that's a good question. I never thought about that. Okay. VG10 would... Out, but but if you could do it, yeah, VG10 would be, be would, would be good. You want some of those mid-level, fine-grained, easy-to-sharpen steels. There you go. That's kind of what you want. Um... <laughs> that's easy to manufacture. It's easy to sharpen, and it gives a great shave because because it's so fine grained. Because your edge is super thin. Yeah, yeah. And it's super fine too. It's not just like a work knife. So work edges are anywhere from two to five thousand grit on the edge. Like if you think scratch patterns in shaping metal. Right. Right. Um, my knives typically finish out around two to three thousand. Wow. Period. Um, how do how do you do yours? Do you do you do you do you strop your edges? Uh, on a razor or on my knives. If I can ask. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Um, you can ask. I'm just not going to tell you. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's uh, we typically do uh, black grease three thousand. Okay, uh, what do you, what do you bevel on? You bevel on a two forty. Oh yeah, we start one twenty and mm-hmm. then two twenty and then right. black, and that gives me that kind of toothy factory edge feel. Yes, and yes. So, okay. And obviously, we make sure it slices paper and shaves and all okay. that stuff. But okay. uh, yeah, I like a little bit of tooth on my working knife. Okay, so yours is probably roughly the same as ours. It's just we we have a different geometry, so it comes out a little bit different. But Well, and you guys yeah. sat down to 600 before you buff. Right, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. that's the difference between those. Yeah, that, that would be about the same. So your knives come out roughly the same as ours as far as that scratch pattern goes. <clears throat> Yeah, I would say pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so pretty close. So those are those are good work knife grits to be at. Right. Um, speaking with my uh, my buddy Tom Blodgett from Genda Industries, um, he actually takes his work edges on like a five thousand just to break the highs. You know, just a little off topic. Okay. So, so if you think of scratch patterns as peaks and valleys, yeah, yeah, yeah. right and scratches, he yep. just takes the five thousand and just rubs down the peaks a little bit. And that just reduces the friction on the cut. Yep. I'm assuming. Yep. Okay. That's what that is. I know that uh, with my cameo, I was able to get uh, a mirrored edge, uh, kind of a po boy's mirrored edge, because I have an attention span of a puppy. So <laughs> I got it. Actually, I got it pretty decent, but not like some of these cats are doing. So, but uh, I, you know, I, I got it there, and then I just touch it up. But I, I did definitely notice the difference after taking it to like a jig sharpening system, yeah. like the cami, and uh, putting it on there, and I was like. Oh, I thought I got them sharp before, but holy cow, that was, that was pretty intense. So, yeah, the, I get what you're saying about the refinement and its cutting. Right, right. Um, you're not taking it down to 5,000. Right. You're just refining a little bit on there. So straight razors, the way I do them, the way I was taught by these gentlemen is that we take them down to 8,000. And uh, and different grits and, and descending scratch patterns methodically. We don't skip any steps or skip, skip any grits. And then we polish the highs of the 8,000 peak with 15,000. And then and then wow. and then you can you can continue to polish just the highs on like CBN microns and, and nanocloths. That's the uh, so like the that. CBNs are the diamond emulsion goo. Yeah, yeah, the di- okay. uh, cubic boron nitride diamond emulsion. That's what I thought. It's goo, yeah, Fuck. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so you can just continue to polish those highs and get like a a great edge, and that actually um, almost eliminates stropping. 
Really? If you use the nanocloth. Yeah, if you use the nanocloth with a really fine compound on it, you take like literally five laps. Wow. Does the same work as 60 laps on a hanging leather strap. Holy cow. With no compound. Yeah, it takes all the oxidization completely off. It's great. Um, <clears throat> easy to easy to, uh, easy to to maintain. So so why is that important? Why is it important to get an edge that fine on a straight razor? Well, you should shave with one that's kind of dull, according to my standards, and then you should shave with one that's really refined. Yeah, tugging each hair out versus right. just gliding over your face. And then put on the aftershave. Oh, good point. Irritation. Yeah. <laughs> right, the irritation. If your if your razor's right, you're you're you should when you put on your aftershave, you should only really feel like the cooling sensation and maybe a bare the barest hint of a sting. After after this, but if and you, you'd still be clean shaven. You're not hovering. Right. No, you're not hovering. Yeah, yeah. You're totally clean shaven, and you see, you feel maybe like the barest hint of a sting. But if your but if your straight razor is dull, you have razor rash. It stings like hell. Oh, it's like it's it's like it's like I'm never straight razor shaving again. This is the worst thing I've ever had. It was terrible. So so that's uh that's that's uh steels and you know how how far down you should refine them. And of course, if you use the steels that we mentioned before, it's actually easy to easy to hone on its own i mean versus like i'd never make a razor on d2 right right That'd be a nightmare <clears throat> no that would that or would be m4 a nightmare or m4 like would probably also be a nightmare yeah. probably never go dull though probably not yeah <laughs> not with what it's going up right yeah. <coughs> <coughs> excuse me guys holy crap yeah, yeah i've been coughing the last couple of days so um how are they so how are razors constructed you got two scales and a wedge that wrap around to a pinhole in the back of the knife, and there is no specific stop pin. Some razors do have stop pins oh, that are they? a little bit. Yeah, have you seen that? No. No, yeah. Some I of them have. Seen them where they come. Oh from. yeah. Well, if if uh, if they if the uh, if the maker wants the blade to stop at a certain height for whatever reason, see what usually happens is that on the wedge, the front end of the knife. I know guys are right now are going to go get their straight razors so they can look at specifically what I'm right. talking about. But usually the front scales themselves nestle into the hollow grind. And it yes. stops the blade. Gotcha. Right. It, it, for for um, and I'm not exactly sure why, but so some people have a stop. So it's where the blade stop gets pin. thicker that stops it. Yeah. On the close. Yeah. yeah. That that stops it on the close. That, some yeah. guys have stop pins built in that the blade nestles in, but then when you rotate the blade around backwards, the tail can slip through. Gotcha. So it's just forward enough of that. Um, um, I guess it's just an observation. Yeah, you guys could probably figure that one out on your own. So, <laughs> sorry, I wasted your time. Handle scales. I would recommend something synthetic. Um, as far as custom stuff goes, did I, did I show you the, 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 the one, the, the, the custom scales that I made out of, uh, uh, Australian gum burl? I don't think you did. No, I'll show you that later. Okay. But it was, it was an old like sixties keen cutter that I, that I, that I read. No, it was the one with the desert island with scales on it. Oh yeah. Did I, sh- I showed you that last, uh, two weeks ago. Did you, you should put a picture on the post. Anyways, okay. I will. I will. So, so as I was constructing that, it fell apart because it's a burl. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, like oh. uh, yeah. So I like super glued it back together and like sanded it like so to hide it yeah. but uh but that's why i kind of recommend um stuff that's not going to be affected by water you know bone, because would bone bone make a good one bone would be pretty good does bone, that give a cool yeah. weight to it i would almost think like if it was, i'm not i don't even shave with yeah, yeah. anything so i've I, I never shaved with a bone one i've shaved with acrylic and i've shaved with wood scales and i've shaved with uh you know synthetic scales yeah. you know like my carta my carta's in g10s and stuff like that and uh i think i've got buffalo horn as well oh okay oh, so so yeah i guess i guess yeah. I, I guess i have done with that um 
feels roughly the same because <laughs> you're, well, you're horn, different yeah, density than yeah, it, yeah, yeah, a little bit, but but talking with pieces that are so thin because yeah, you're talking about an eighth inch or less, yeah. you know, thinness. So there are different types of constructions too. Custom guys, and this is a little bit interesting. Custom guys will actually do the same thing that slip joint guys do. Instead of having a pin that goes straight through and then shimming it and then peening the pin down, they'll actually put a pivot or uh, put a bushing into the into oh, the blade. Wow. Like a three sixteenths bushing. So it's got smooth action. Right. So it's got so it like they even smooth out the action for it a little bit too. With 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 bronze washers on either side of it. Oh, wow. And uh, and cheaper guys, cheaper guys and production guys will just have the pin that goes straight through. So so be on the lookout for stuff like that too if you're if you're looking for a custom straight razor. You kinda want that pivot action because it's just a smoother action. It's easier to open, it's easier to manipulate while it's wet. And uh, and it feels awesome. It looks awesome. It's 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 like it's like the Sebenza. Gotcha. That that that, that you've got there versus a versus a hundred dollar knife. Right. Got just that smooth action. <clears throat> yeah, so it's got a really nice smooth action. Um, I am sure that there is a whole lot bigger world than what I'm getting into because I'm still very much kind of like a newbie at this, but I am more than willing to hear what you guys have to say. If you're enjoying this segment, make sure that you um, – Eric, if you have any questions, make sure you email us at uh, info behind the podcast.com. Um, As far as for, for me, there is a, a couple of straight razors that I'm working on right now that I would love to – throw up as far as a raffle goes or or maybe put up for sale lately but but more details will emerge on that and if i do both i'll definitely have shaving videos that go along with that where it's my face just like a little bit of reinsurance for i you apologize guys. <laughs> but uh but uh yeah i think that wraps up the segment pretty nicely if you guys have any questions make sure you email us um and uh i guess we'll see you in a minute for some awesome q a's sweet thanks jim we appreciate all the knowledge you've imparted upon our brains And we are back. Thanks again, Jim, for that uh, pretty sweet discussion on straight razors. Pretty enlightening. I, not being a, a shaver per se, and even when I do, it's I, I just use a disposable. But I can definitely see the allure in that. Yeah. And I think there's, I, I mean, look, it's no different really than the slip joint thing or uh, even fixed blades. Or, you know, any, any kind of nostalgic uh, ritual, I guess. Yeah. You know I mean? so. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, they've, they've always been like some sort of a fascination for me, even before I was really, you know, as as involved in the knife world as I am now. That's cool. So yeah, no, it's, it's good. To, it's good to you know dive into those. I'm sorry if it seemed like it was a little disjointed the the conversation, but uh, the ADD runs strong in this oh, one, uh, especially <laughs> especially especially today, man. Yeah, it's just oh, been going it. bad. So we are here for your Q and A's. We last time we posted a Facebook. Um, question thing. We got a ton of questions that we just weren't able to answer. I think we're on the last little bit of that one post from like three weeks ago. Yeah, the last leg of this <laughs> of a month ago, this month's question right. box. Right, and so, we, we just want to make sure that we get all of you guys. And trust me, we are not griping. As we've said time and time again, this is our favorite segment of the show because it writes itself, it's fun, and it's pretty interactive. So keep them coming. Do not mistake what we just said for griping because we love getting this many questions. This is fantastic. Yeah. It really is. All right, coming from Alan Kritzman. Love the podcast. What is the best way for a new custom maker to market their knives? Uh, one word. Facebook. Yep. Or <clears throat> Instagram if yep. we want to do it that yep. way. Well, both. Yeah. Both yeah, absolutely that's... have you know have one feed the other or, or um you know or or have Facebook to Instagram Instagram to Facebook I believe you can do it either way yeah um it's it's uh, use use meta tags man especially on Instagram yep 
use stuff like hashtag USA made. Hashtag custom knife. Custom knife. Knife of the day. K-O-T-D. Um, stuff like that's important because people really do subscribe to those hashtags. Knife porn. That's a good one. Knife too. porn. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. A good one. I, I purposely don't. I, not purposely. I don't subscribe to any of those hashtags, but I know that bajillions of people do. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I, I don't dabble in Instagram a whole lot on my personal account. But the times that I have that I did include those hashtags, you get people liking your stuff from all over the world in huge numbers that do subscribe to it. Oh, for sure. So so it's, uh, if you want to get a lot of attention, that's the way to do that, Instagram and Facebook. Um, and don't – don't look, it's a, it's a lightning strike, Alan, when somebody's like, hey, I'm a new maker and they put up a picture and it goes viral and it goes insane. And so, yeah. I mean, it takes – it takes a number of years of hacking it out before you start really seeing the big numbers. But the good news is, as a new maker, you know, sometimes it's as a part time thing or whatever, you'll have enough knives to keep you busy at the rate at which you can make them and make them well. Yep. And it, gr- it grows commensurate with your experience, at which point you're also more efficient. So, uh, you know, take Jim's advice, take my advice, get on social media, kind of share it around, you know, and. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but but don't be a jerk in the groups. You know what I mean? I don't right. know you or anything. I don't know what your uh, practices are. I'm assuming they're honorable, but I don't don't inundate people with pictures all the time. Or and this goes to everybody, Alan. I'm not just talking to you at this point, but this is something that irks the living piss out of me. <laughs> is when somebody puts up a picture of a knife, either production or custom, whether mm-hmm. they made it or not, but they start a post, and some new maker is trying to get a foothold. And in the comments, they throw up their knife. They kind of step on their post a little bit like, well, <laughs> yeah. this is the one I like the most. It's like if you conduct yourself like a gentleman, you'll see a payoff in dividends. Yeah. You don't need to try it. You don't need to – what is the – I'm at a loss for words right now. But you don't need to throw it out to everywhere to get noticed. You need to be strategic about it yeah. and put it in the right place at the right time. So just consider it another facet of the craft and work on polishing that, but don't be over the top. Otherwise, people aren't going to want to see your stuff. So to supplement what Matt's saying, when you sell a custom knife, you sell two things. One, the knife, obviously, right? Two, yourself. Yes. And and you, you and your reputation and your presence will determine your sales. Yes. So if you're, if you're a fledgling knife maker and you really want to get into that, join a bunch of knife groups, not to, you know, I, the, the wrong word here would be pedal. That, that, that's the yes. wrong word to use. What's here. the antithesis <clears throat> of pedal? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so something a little bit softer than that. But um, you're not there to sell your things. You're there to join that little community. So if you take the approach like that yes. and you go in there as a person and you say, hey, I'm uh, I'm a maker too, but I really love all this stuff. Every time somebody posts anything else in that in that group, have something positive to say, you know, uh, or and if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say anything. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I look at it, I, you know, I use this analogy all the time. We're going to go on a tangent. Like you just said, you know, you're just trying to reveal yourself to that community. Now, I use the analogy of the knife industry being a universe, maybe even as big as a multiverse. But for this analogy, we're just going to use universe. And inside that universe are galaxies, and inside those galaxies are solar systems. And each 
grade is representative of a social circle. And what you want to kind of be is you want to be an ambassador of your solar system, but you also want to be an explorer. So you want to go check out other galaxies, other solar systems, and that's how you proliferate your brand. And uh, Because otherwise you sell to all your buddies. And there's a lot of makers that Mm -hmm. make a hell of a good living to their finite social circle mm-hmm. yep. and they, they just sell to their buddies and their buddies' buddies. But it doesn't right. really go it goes primary, secondary, not so much tertiary. Nope, tertiary it, doesn't doesn't hit so much. It, so yep. you have to be a little bit of an explorer and you have to go out and be like, oh check it out. You know, maybe the guys who like Emerson's would like your knives, but maybe the guys who like Spider Co's would like your knives too. You know what I mean? Just right. to try to think about those are two different universes so, a little so, bit, right? So as as an example, let's say just uh, you know, Joe Knife Maker. Let's just say that Joe Knife Maker exists, but he Joe Knife Maker also likes Spider Co. So he goes to the Spider Co page and and posts up Spider Co that he owns and then posts a ton of really positive comments on there. He ends up gaining an unofficial, unaffiliated following of other people that recognize your stuff. That's right. And then and then the the time will come when it seems appropriate to share what you do, you share your group page. And then on your group page, you share your knives. People and, I mean you're you're absolutely right, Jim. People yeah. will gravitate towards you because maybe it's a little bit elusive and they I want to know what this guy's about and I like this guy. That's why we don't hammer on our product on the podcast. Number one, it puts mm-hmm. a weird spin to it. It's a weird, <laughs> like, this is the a vehement knives bark river commercial for the next hour and a half. And so, <laughs> me. Yeah, us. yeah exactly. Us, me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I mean I I think you conduct yourself well and if people show interest they will uh you know they'll follow you to where you go. So so let's do that. On to the next one. And I'm like, we are super tired. So this is going to get a little ranty. That's okay. Uh, Dan Malewski, if you're going to use the knife, why do you need the box? Collectability, bud. Resale. Yep, that's it. It's collectability. <laughs> I mean, yep. it's that simple. It's, uh, you, do you want a, a Thunderbird, you know, from the 50s or whatever that's got original interior that's been uh, redone? I mean, you right. want the whole original kit. So yeah. it's all resale. I, I do that with everything. I mean, like, I think I still have the original packaging for the microphone and I'm speaking into. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I have. I have the original packaging for my PlayStation for, you know, you know, for everything, you know, and it's all for just resale, you know, at least for me and, and, yeah. uh, and, and stuff like, so you can package up something nice, um, to be able to, to get it out the door well, again. But, and it but, speaks volumes about who you are. Thank you. If it's, yeah. fill, uh, well, not you, I meant like, the, <laughs> the, yeah, the, not, <laughs> not you, yeah, not you, you smuck. Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, I mean, it tells it tells the potential buyer of that knife that you were a conscientious individual and that you okay. took care of your things. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're like, it's got some dog dandruff down in the liner there. Don't mind that. Then like the guy's a pig. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it tells uh-huh. people that you're careful with your stuff. So uh, Jordan Richard Wagner, <laughs> what are your thoughts on how thick thick or thin fixed blade blade stock should be for general non-abuse outdoor and food use? Two come to mind. What, 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 you go first. Okay. Okay. Three sixteenths. Sure. And? Quarter inch? Mm. Five thirty seconds. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, look at it from his thing. No. Yeah. Uh, no, I, no, I'm right there with three sixteenths at five thirty seconds. Um, quarter inch, in my opinion, is a little beefy. But. But. Holds up to a, a amazing amounts of abuse. And quite yep. frankly, mm-hmm. we sell a lot of knives to knife abusers. We, uh, we, yeah, we both do. Yep. Yeah, we both do. So um, a lot of my knives that I make are around quarter inch. So, you know, breaking it down into 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 decimal. Um, our Bravo series, not our LTs, but our regular Bravo series are all 
0.217. So that's, you know, what, 43, 33,000 thinner, under quarter quarter inch. Um, And we sell the crap out of them. And they, and it is a good knife. Right. It genuinely is. Um, The, uh, and and then we, and then we go thicker than that. But as far as like a, as far as like a personal field knife, my, my ultralight bushcrafter is 93,000. That's probably, that's thinner than what we're talking about. But, uh, uh, 530 seconds comes in comes in at 156. That's the Bravo LT series and the Gunny and that, series. And that makes a good me. bushcraft knife. Um, I think 530 seconds in a traditional Puko style or something like that. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of use yeah, out of that. Your, your Sabenza is... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm hitting the mic. Your Sabenza looks like it's 156. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah um, what about the, the other one on your hip? The, uh, uh, probably 316. It's tapered and it's got a crazy grind on it. So, no, it's probably 530 seconds. Uh, it's it's so, five thirty seconds. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's not three sixteen. Yeah. It looks like it's five thirty. I mean, that's a great knife. So that's that's a very very common utilitarian size. It's five thirty seconds and three sixteen. So I would definitely I definitely agree with Matt on that one. I probably sure. have about a foot of a beard hair that's growing inside <laughs> of my face right now. Uh, after the razor comment, I was kind of feeling around my neck, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So, yeah, okay, there, well, I guess I'm going to have to lend Matt a razor. So you're welcome, guys. There's that. If you want to know what's going on in my jawline. Uh, so, <laughs> next, go ahead. Uh, ben Maravich, uh, what is your preferred grind length, point, choil, no choil for camping and bushcraft? I feel like you guys have touched on some of these before, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great work, both in the shop and on the podcast. Thank you, Ben. You keep up the great work at the things that you do, buddy. It's been a while. Maybe I'll see you when I go back to Colorado. Maybe if I can make that happen, I would love to. Um, Preferred (laughs) grind. Mm. So let's break it down part for part. Okay. Uh, Okay. We're talking bushcraft here. Sure. So let's get in the let's get in the khaki uh, pants and the shirt with the cape and the Panama hat. Okay. okay, ready? Got it. All right. All right. We're bushcrafting. We okay. have a backpack that costs more than most of our other gear on our back. <laughs> it's uh, true. I mean, I like uh-huh. bushcrafting. Don't get me wrong. I, I do it when I camp all the time, you know, make stuff and all sure. that stuff. But, uh, all right. Grind. Okay. I prefer a, uh, a half height. You would call that a saber grind. Yep, I, I, would. I would call that like a low saber grind. I actually, um, as far as the Scandi grinds themselves, I think they're a little too stout. Um, um, and, considering, and considering our convex geometry... And again, again, I'm not plugging myself for this, but I, that's just what I prefer. I prefer something that's that can be used hard and at the same time used finely. Uh, uh, so, so I like a saber grind on my on my grinds. Blade length for bushcraft four inches. Four, yeah, that's you know, pretty sick. Yep, yep, just just pretty nice. Um, I like a little bit of contouring, but I like something that I can grasp and hold on to because. Because again, if I'm going to be feather sticking or notching or anything, I need something that I can actually hold on to and bear down on. Um, something that's thinner, like a like a folder, will dig into your hand when you're doing those bushcraft tasks. Oh yeah. So, um, actually, a Sabenza. I actually made a figure four trap with my Sabenza twenty one. I can see that. Dug yeah. into my hand the whole time. Yeah. Yep. No, I don't. I don't so, like. I actually rarely even take folders when I'm camping. Mm-hmm, number right. one, because they're just going to get gross. And number two, I found that as a city use knife when I'm like cutting stuff they have a little bit more obtuse angle geometry yeah and that works great and then sure. like when I'm out in the woods I want something a little finer because I'm really only cutting wood right <laughs> you know yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah that's, or, or maybe some paracord yeah right yeah, yeah, some yeah. Corners, easy, easy like stuff or meat yeah right <clears throat> um yeah, I'm I I am on the Scandi bandwagon mm-hmm. I, I like Mora's sure I mean I really do I mean I love your guys stuff too but I like mm-hmm. Mora's but I mean bare bones Ben I've said it a million times whatever the Falcon even S1 is that yeah. Everything that I think that's a, I think that's a saber, isn't it? No, yeah, it's kind of a saber grind convex convex saber, and uh, it's got a really thin, almost uncomfortable 
rubber handle on it. Fully the S1, which is actually a surprisingly comfortable handle. It is. Yeah. yeah. It takes it. There's an adjustment period. So I know I keep jocking the Falcon, but you're going to pick it up. You're gonna go. I hate this handle, and you're like, no, just just give it a week, man. No, yeah, you you get used to it, it, and it's yeah. actually really comfortable. Yeah. No, um, no, no, yeah, that's a that that's a saber grind. Yep. So yeah. So so there mm-hmm. you go, and uh, yeah, four to five inches. Uh, I don't typically, unless I'm clearing trails with a machete, I don't normally mm-hmm. go above five inches on a camp knife. Right. I don't need. Yeah. To. And so doesn't uh, I can split just about anything with what I have. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Es- especially if it's fixed blade. Um, choil or no choil. Um. I mean, I love choils. The mm-hmm. problem is, is once you get into some of the smaller blade lengths, you begin to lose blade cutting edge. Yeah. And it makes it harder to do feather sticking. Sure. And so I think if I was going to make a hybrid knife or a fighter that you want to be able to do detail work, so it'd be like hybrid, heavy on the fighter, light on the camping. Sure. Then I want a choil. Yeah. You know, because then I can move up and get that detail work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a dedicated bushcraft or camp knife, not a huge choil fan. Uh, yeah, I would say that in that, I, I think you indirectly touched on that, that the point of a choil and a larger knife is because so you can, so you can choke up on it to use it for finer tasks yeah. versus a knife that doesn't have a choil that is just built into where your hand rests. Yeah, right? yeah exa- exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, right, right. you're, you're that same distance from detail to positive grip is this, right. it, it maintains the same distance. Whereas like on a big, recurve rod chapel fighter you know maniacal <laughs> thing you want to choil up front so you can get closer to the cutting edge right right so you can choke up on it and use it for those finer tasks and then goes right back to its original intended purpose mm. so yeah yeah that's what i that's that's pretty much what i think too as far as far as just camping and bushcraft for me um specifically uh no choil on that because my hand's already in that position on the knife that i use it's not a fighter right um so there you go so yeah. there's there's that so there's that yeah Cool. All right, Mark Bellini, you're hitting us with both barrels, bud. This is a great uh, post that you threw up. We are going to hammer through it relatively quickly because Jim and I are looking at each other. We look like old alcoholics. Both our eyes are bloodshot and yep. red. We're just exhausted. My, so. li- my liver's, you know, all cirrhosified. Yeah, yeah. That's a word. Jaundice. Yeah, let's see. So, uh, the knife tip had different blade shapes, different, different tasks, bevel degrees. Uh, Mark, forgive me. I'm not going to get into the bevel degree discussion right now because it is so polarizing, and I don't think it matters. I mean, I th- obviously mm-hmm. a certain cutting degree. Well, matters, well uh, but that, an effective cutting degree matters, yeah, yeah, for sure. But 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 it's all just which geometry do you like? Which uh, do you? Like oh, when does it become? Bevels? Yeah, when does it yeah. become irrelevant? I think it becomes irrelevant um, from. 20 to 23 degrees anything or maybe as low as 18 i guess on kitchen yep. knives yep. and so yeah you, you can go thinner down to 12 and 13 i mean there's some Fuck ridiculously that. thin i, I didn't mean to so, further, well, yeah that's, that's <laughs> come on please <laughs> um but you're talking you're talking on kitchen knives that's what you want there so you can like put you can you can gather your friends around and you yeah. say watch how cool this is you, you take a cut off the bottom of the tomato so it sticks to the cutting board and then you take one paper thin translucent slice off i think that's that where that comes dips in. its toe into mm-hmm. irrelevant um, right let's see to the thickness of this how do they relate to the thickness of the spine well, uh, that is all relative to grind height and yeah. so the higher you grind the more acute the angle goes as it makes its way towards the thickness and, of the spine. And wider spines with the same blade height as a different thing will have thicker edges right. because your geometry is just wider. I mean so and you you can you can see that in evidence between uh you know just regular regular models and then LT versions. Yep. Um the the LT versions will always be finer yes. because you just have a thinner spine. Yeah, it so, has yeah, yeah, less distance mm-hmm. to, less less thickness to cover. Uh, edge geometry, how and why it matters. 
Deserted Island Knife, only one knife, and Sharpening Stone for the rest of your life. Which would you both choose? Jim, go. Fault me in DC4. Ooh, nice one. Yeah, uh, and, stone. And for the stone. stone. That's yep. the stone. One knife. Um, huh. Crap. <laughs> Probably our, uh, let's see. One knife. Just one knife. One knife. Class drop point hunter. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. Because I know, I know that's totally that's that's totally off the wall. Because I, you know, you're thinking I'm going to say something like the ultralight bushcrafter or no? I would have thought uh, if if you have one knife, so it's mm-hmm. the same knife you have to prep food and possibly fight Godzilla with. Ah, uh, well, Godzilla would might be tough with that. I but, know, that's not but funny. but uh, here's the thing about the class trap point hunter. You, if you needed to drive it into something, you have the guard to kind of protect your hand. You can index it, you know, pretty easily off of the protrusion of the guard. It's a comfortable handle. Your your blade is extremely ergonomic. It's at it's at that four inch length, you know, so you can yep. use it for bushcraft stuff. Um, it's uh, and and it's light. It's easily portable. You can take down trees with it. I mean, using the using the Kachansky method, uh-huh. right? So so you right. take, take them all the way down one way, go one eighty the other way, and then kind of cut at the bend, cut the fibers, you know, right. cut the fibers. Um, you absolutely could survive for a very long time with I think the class drop point hunter. I think so too. And the fault even DC four. I mean, look at the. Yeah. I mean, not to use bear grills because I know one's going to throw the knickers mm-hmm. in a knot, but that little custom that he carried before he sold his soul. Right. That was like a three and a half inch blade. Yeah, right. You know what I yeah. mean? So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that's. I, I think it's more. I think there's even bushcraft schools that that's their standard issue knife. Yeah, is the. I mean, I have one. I love it. I think it, it's great. It's uh. So the, um, the wilderness, ex, the wilderness learning center. Um. Okay. By a by a, and of course, I, I I just had his name in my head. <laughs> him and his wife. I'm gonna get admonished for forgetting this. Marty and Aggie Simon. Nice. <laughs> yes. Good job. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic people, by the way. Exceedingly knowledgeable when it comes to uh. Stuff like that. Their official, their official knife is a Fox River. Oh, okay. Is our, gotcha. is our Fox River. Okay. And there, so there you have you have a, bl- a knife when you put it in your hand. It's nothing but blade that comes out. It is all utility and all just use because that's what you're doing in the, in the wilderness. You don't you don't want a fighter. No. In the in the in the in there because it's almost too much knife for the task because you become unwieldy. Even even fighters are ninety percent tool, ten percent weapon. Yeah, I mean, even like in battle rattle, like yeah. on a combat loadout, the odds of you getting in close corners that are close quarters interdiction with a knife to fight with, it's slim to none. Right. Usually, I mean, it'll be like a spike or like those bench made little ring things. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. that's really what you. you say, oh so, god, that guy jumped out from behind a door, right. and then you put in work so, on. So yeah. So working off of that statistic, why not make the knife as utilitarian as possible? Yeah, because that's its primary so, function. I so, mean, even overall. So there you go, guys. For yeah. all the people out there, they're like knives are killing tools even killing knives are still they still should be utility first that's why daggers yeah. didn't go very well with uh uh joe's with uh ground pounders infantry oh yeah you no, know what i mean because you know, you're like oh you, you, you can't do anything you can't do yeah. anything with it i mean so yeah. uh so i'm pretty sure you guys know what mine's gonna be yeah uh, let's see knife anatomy different handle blade shapes um and mark i totally am picking up what you're doing here so he's he's folks just in case you're not reading along with us and I'm skimming through this. Uh, Mark Blaney took a lot of time to write this really great post to give us some inspiration on future segments and things that we can talk about. But in there, he also threw a couple of questions. So I'm skimming through his recommendations to uh, enhance the show, which I, we received with open arms. And I'm getting right to the questions or Jim and I are getting right to the questions. Mm-hmm. So recurve all things good and bad. Um I think obviously, I, I actually I don't think a lot of people understand the good part of recurves, other than the fact that it's very appealing to the eye. 
But by taking a more circuitous route from the heel of the blade to the tip of the blade, you're taking a meandering path. We all know that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So by making that curvy, you're actually adding more cutting edge per linear inch of blade. You're also adding a decent amount of head mass, which allows you on a tactical knife to cut through more muscle tissue and reach bone and arteries and tendons. Yep. So uh, the bad, uh, for some people who refuse to buy one inch stones, they find it difficult to sharpen. Um, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> the solution and the problem yeah. all in one yeah. like, few words. Knife well, industry uh, pet peeves. What drives you up the wall with the knife world? From design flaws, steel materials to customers, people, complaints, kydex. This is not a reality show. We This is like our reality show. So I don't want to harp on a bunch of bullshit that makes me angry. And I'm sorry for cussing there, but I can't think of another word that fits that so perfectly. Um, Bull hockey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, look, I, I can be a little bit cynical from time to time. And when the rants possess me, I will go off on them. But I will not actively delve into this dark space between my ears and look for something that makes me angry. So, I'm going to skip that part. And, uh, yeah. Jake put it best. It's funny. I liked it, and it says likes zero. I don't understand that on Facebook. So it's uh, I'm I'm, s- I'm seeing a uh, haha message from you. Oh, okay. uh, like yeah, uh, yeah, that's from you. For yeah. All right, yeah. so I get that is a wrap as far as that goes. Jim, you got any emails you want to hammer through? Um, I think I do. Absolutely. Or do you want to save from... them for when we get back? Um, because it's almost one. It is almost one. Yeah, we'll save the emails for next time. Then, sir, I believe that is a podcast. That is a podcast. Congratulations, <laughs> good sir. And Matt, have a safe trip on your on a trip to Colorado and Arizona. Thank man. you, sir. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a good time, yeah. and uh, we'll be looking forward to coming back. So, are we gonna be on hiatus next week? Uh, we'll probably be on hiatus next week. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so just, just so you guys know, you're gonna miss us for a week, but we'll be with you in spirit. Maybe I will find some cool knives to talk about on my trip to Colorado. I'm positive that we'll have a lot of stuff to go over oh, next time around. And in two I up? forgot. Thank you to all you folks who donated via the donate button on our website. Ah, that is, yeah. this, is this is correct. Yes, thank you so much. We got that, and we were like, "Hey, check this out. This yeah, is awesome. This is, is really great. cool." We haven't you checked know? the PayPal account in some time, and we were like, "Oh." Well, all right. <laughs> so thank you so much. We appreciate it. We are actually uh, saving up our shekels right now to get the new computer. It's gonna, it's kind of spendy. I, I don't need to tell you guys how much it is, but it's a little spendy. We're saving up to get that. And then, bam, we're streaming live video and doing YouTube videos, which yep. will be unboxings and reviews and stuff like we, that. We will absolutely drop the link to the YouTube channel um, on all of our future posts at that point, and you can subscribe to us there, too. Yeah. So, um, YouTube is a huge community, and it's really easy for people to discover you as well, and it's easy to make videos. So, not only can we post the podcast episode, we can actually do Google um, Google Hangout streams. I think, I, I'm not even sure they do that anymore. It's called something else now. I think it's like Google Plus Live or something. Oh, okay. I remember but, what it was called, Hangouts. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but it's essentially the same thing, where, we are, where, where Dan and I will... Dan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry, Matt. He as he arches his eyebrow and gives me the <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Matt and I. We, Matt and I will be kicking some serious butt when it comes to live video streaming and uh, and doing this better. And we will be able to totally do this all with your help to have an excellent show. It'll yes, be great. and the help of our sponsors. So uh, again, if you guys have an industry related product or service and you would like to reach a direct market of knife enthusiasts. 
then feel free to shoot us an email at info at behindtheblade.podcast.com and we will hook you up with a pricing schedule for our advertising because that is really what helps keep the lights on. Even though Jim pays his electric bill, and since we're in Jim's basement, that technically <laughs> keeps the lights on. We are putting together a sound studio at the new VM at Knives building, and Woo! we are going to have to furnish that and put in the acoustic tiles so there's no more echo and, and do all that stuff to bring you guys a better product. So if you want a better product, you can either sponsor the show or you can click that donate button on BehindTheBladePodcast.com. And we will talk to you cats in two weeks. Have fun. This has been a Behind the Blade production. To check out more content from us, you can check us out on our webpage at www.behindthebladepodcast.com. Check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash behindthebladepodcast. You can also hit that beautiful little donate button hitting, sitting right there at the bottom of the, uh, the webpage. And we will catch you guys in two weeks. Thank you so much.